What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul Padi, and I'm here with PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? All right, and we're back with another one of our QB Room episodes. If you guys haven't checked out the other ones, go ahead and check it out. We're getting to kind of the middle of the pack area with the quarterbacks. So we have quite a few episodes out now. So definitely check those out if you haven't already. Uh, and today we're going to be doing pretty much the same format we've been doing, uh, but with the Lions quarterback room and the Steelers quarterback room today. Uh, and with all that being said, PD, you want to get right into uh, Jared Goff's season? Yeah, so let's start off by talking about um, Jared Goff as a player, because I think we do have some disagreement about where he will rank this upcoming season. Uh, Potty sees him more as like an average starting quarterback, um, mm-hmm. closer to that, that, closer to that range versus me seeing him as like more of a below average uh, starting quarterback. So I kind of want to dissect my reasoning for um, how I feel and um, let you respond a little bit. So yeah. Goff has a couple of strong suits to him. Um, he is strong off play action. He's he has a really strong arm, um, probably solidly in the top half of the league. I would say, um, and he uses that combined with really good accuracy and structure um, to complement more high-end teams. But um, my concern with him is that when you start to do things that are very common for quarterback stuff, like um, playing under pressure, uh, playing out of structure, anything related to mobility, um, he he, he doesn't really even like meet the bar for me. Um, He's well below the bar of where I think it's acceptable to be performing under pressure. And he's an extremely rash decision maker, in my opinion. Um, He's consistently putting the ball in harm's way one to one and a half times a game. Um, And that's really not going to cut it, um, in my opinion. I think on a high-end team, that that can be really difficult to overcome. Um, And I think some of those mistake-prone tendencies are why the Lions offense tended to struggle at, at different points of the year. Um, and, and to kind of summarize it in, in one sentence, um, I think he lacks the overall feel needed to be um, a, a solid starter in the league. Yeah, I, I see a lot of what you're saying. Uh, I do agree with some of the stuff, for example, like his mobility, obviously I would agree isn't the best as well as, uh, I guess for his standard of quarterback play, I would say he probably makes too many mistakes. But for me, the reason why I have him as about average and even next year I'm projecting him to be roughly average is because I, along with a lot of the other quarterbacks we've talked about, like Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, etc., I think like the situation for a quarterback really does determine well, how they end up producing overall. And I think because of this lion situation he's been put in, he they've kind of like created a game plan around him to make those weaknesses seem not as necessarily bad. If you look at his like turnovers from when he was on the Rams to his seasons with the Lions now, his a number of turnovers has like drastically dis decreased and I'd say even in terms of just turnover worthy plays outside of just pure interceptions and fumbles I'm pretty sure like the number of those kind of mistakes have gone down as well I think it has to do with the facts the the way the Lions kind of run their offense 
uh, a lot of they run a lot of play action, and the Rams did as well. But I feel like they run it in a way that suits Jared Goff more because they don't really try to attack downfield much at all. I think their kind of receiver core and the talent they've built all are really like speed, mostly speed guys who can easily get open apart from maybe Amon Rossan Brown. But even he has a huge catch radius. He's able to grab a lot of passes that Jared Goff, who maybe has a little bit of inconsistency with his accuracy, they're able to make up with that, make up for that. He had for TJ Hawkinson for a lot of the time he was in Detroit and even him, that's a huge target who's always open. He's able to get it to him. And just overall, a lot of those mistakes, a lot of those, like, I guess, deficiencies in his game, I just saw a lot less of over the last season, especially uh, because of the way the Lions are running their offense. And I think they're going to continue to do that next year. They've kind of doubled down and decided, like, Goff is going to be their guy going into next year as well by not, like, drafting one of the top quarterbacks in this year's class. I still think Goff is going to be this bridge sort of guy. I know a lot of Lions fans say that they think he might be like the future and with the talent they have around him, they might be able to do something. But that's why overall I have him as like more of an average sort of sort of quarterback. Yeah, I think that with the turnover-worthy play point, I think he's largely the same player um, from beyond 2018. So like a four-year sample, I would say. He's pretty much like I would expect him to be in the mid to high 20s type of thing for turnover he plays in a year. Um, so that's that's still a part that I disagree with. But if you maybe think that yeah. he's developed um, as a result of being in a, in a good situation schematically, then um, maybe there, there, there's an upward trajectory here. So all right. So yeah. let's get into the first few games and then go from there. So this first game in week one against Philly um, – this this was not a good game. Um, his consistency was was pretty poor. Um, I thought he put the ball in harm's way twice, and only one of them was punished for an interception. Both of them pretty bad uh, turnover-worthy plays to me, um, and that kind of holds him back from having a good game at all. Yeah, this game definitely doesn't <laughs> really support my point of him, I guess, getting better at keeping the ball out of harm's way. Because I, I actually felt like he had three turnover-worthy plays in this game, and he was only punished for the one. His accuracy looked pretty off in this one. And I feel like the Lions overall in this one had to rely heavily on their run game. And I know Goff is kind of the type of quarterback who's always going to have like that sort of thing. But I think this game especially, he really couldn't get anything going that wasn't a play-action type of play. And as much as that is his strong suit, he's kind of got to expand a little bit. Uh, but the one thing I was slightly impressed by in this game, I'd say, I guess, was the fourth quarter, even when he had kind of a rough game the rest of the game, he was able to pull through, have a couple of possessions that were good in order to kind of put the Lions back in the game and maybe challenge for the win at the very end. I remember this was one of the more interesting games to end uh, at the, in that week one period because the Eagles kind of had it and then almost fumbled it but didn't. Uh, but still, overall, not, a, not one of his best performances for me. Yeah, moving on to the next game against Washington where uh, this time he looks a little bit more average rather than bad. Um, he does put the ball in harm's way once for me. Um, does suffer a number of drops, and the supporting cast wasn't all that good for this game specifically. 
but again, the consistency with the accuracy, not really there yet. Um, and yeah, th- those are the main elements that lead me to think that he had more of an average game in this one. I was a little bit more, uh, I guess, optimistic, you could say, with this one. I was quite impressed with this game. I thought from his last game, uh, his accuracy had improved a lot. His It may not show completely in the completion percentage, which, I mean, it is still pretty good. But like PD said, he did have a lot of drops in this one. Uh, but I think in this one, he did a great job of spreading the ball out. Uh, I think that's something that Jared Goff is good at in general. And he did a good job of that as well as getting the ball to his guy in Amon Ross St. Brown. I think their connection was great in this game. Uh, and just throughout the game, he was good at keeping the offense going. And someone like Jared Goff, who in my opinion, and I'm sure you would agree, isn't the type of guy who's going to consistently be able to create big plays over and over again. He's not that type of playmaker. But when you have the consistency every drive like he does with the accuracy and being able to get it to your playmakers in space as well, uh, kind of like he did it this game, I was pretty impressed by it. I think he did his job well. Uh, this is what the Lions brought him in for, and I think he did what he needed to do. All right, moving on to week three in Minnesota against the Vikings. This one was a little bit of a rougher game for me. A number of good intermediate throws. Um, and the accuracy, again, a little bit better than the last game. But put the ball in harm's way twice, one of them being punished for an interception. Um, that's going to hold his game back to just average again for me. Um, and I thought he managed pressure really well in this one, so that's definitely a positive. But um, nothing really explosive happening down the field yet. Yeah, I largely agree with you on this one. I also had him as a roughly average game. He made a couple too many mistakes uh, to be any better than that, in my opinion. But I was, just like you, very, very impressed by his pressure management in this one. I think I felt like pretty much this entire game, I didn't feel like he was under pressure. And this Vikings defensive line was pretty solid. But the Lions also had a very, very good offensive line in this one. And Jared Goff... One thing he is good at is being able to take advantage of a good offensive line and stay in the pocket and, you know, play his game. A lot of quarterbacks, even with good offensive lines, when they kind of lack mobility, uh, they get into the sort of thing where they get surrounded in the pocket a lot and just take a lot of sacks or they'll bail the pocket early for some of the more mobile guys. But both in his Ram stint and with the Lions, I've felt like Goff has done a good job of kind of being good at managing a good offensive line, which isn't as difficult as dealing with a bad offensive line, but still takes some sort of skill. Uh, but in this one, I I thought his accuracy dipped a little bit. It wasn't quite as bad as week one, but it was definitely worse than week two. Like I said, a lot more mistakes than normal. Uh, I thought he wasn't able to get the ball to his guy in Amon Ross St. Brown nearly enough, and neither did he with TJ Hawkinson, and that's always going to be a problem when you can't get the ball to your playmakers. So definitely a average type of performance for him, but for sure gets better later down the line. Yeah, moving on to the next one against Seattle. So this is the first one where I thought he was truly good. Um, put the ball in harm's way a few times. Uh, one of them being punished for an interception, but a ton of plays where he's pushing the ball down the field in intermediate areas, a couple of explosive plays. And um, I thought he did well more than enough to make up for the fact that he put the ball in harm's way those few times. 
um, and he kind of towed the line between aggressive and rash reasonably well. Um, and that's kind of why he ended up with a good game for me in this one. Yeah, I remember us talking about this game during the season on the pod, and I think we talked about both Goff and Geno Smith because of how great of an offensive game this was. This was a very fun game to watch as well, and I agree. I thought Jared Goff was uh, very good in this one. I thought outside of that one interception, he really didn't make many mistakes. He got back to the level of accuracy that I expect of him, and which is, I guess, kind of his strong suit uh, at this point. He was did a really great job of finding TJ Hawkinson. Seattle doesn't have uh, the best linebacker core in terms of defending tight ends. I think pretty much all season this year, they were getting torched by these big receiving tight ends just down the middle because they really don't have anybody that can guard, him, guard them. And Goff definitely took advantage. And they were also really good in the run game. And Jared Goff was did a great job of working off the play action in this one, as he normally is. Uh, he did a great job of spreading the ball out. And as you can see, they put up 45 points in this one. So that's always a good sign for the quarterback, especially with 22 of those coming in the fourth quarter. A lot of positive drives there. It was another one of those situations, kind of like the Eagles game, where he did kind of get them back into the game, uh, but not quite. Uh, a lot of help from his defense in that quarter as well. But still a lot of uh, explosive plays in that quarter particularly, uh, which impressed me. And just overall a really good performance. Yeah, moving on to the next one against New England. So this one's pretty rough. Um, the offense really did not get going at all in this one. Um, and I think Goff was largely uh an issue with with the way that they played um put the ball in harm's way a couple of times really really poor in terms of the consistency um that that they were able to generate um and yeah i mean there, there's not much to say here put the uh three uh three turnover worthy plays including a bad fumble um yeah it it, it was it was it was a de- it was definitely a stinker for the yeah, there's really no way to defend Jared Goff here because this was definitely a terrible performance from him. And this was definitely, I guess, the type of uh, performances that PD can refer to to really defend his point because this game really exposed those problems he has with this game. And it kind of, at this point in the season, has shown how inconsistent he is because we just saw him last week play an amazing game. And the week prior, he was a little down, and then now he's down again. That's another problem with Jared Goff that I didn't bring up earlier. He has been quite inconsistent throughout his career, and this season included. Uh, but I think the problem in this game was was Goff going up against Bill Belichick. Belichick has always been the type of guy who can expose quarterbacks for their weaknesses, and a guy like Jared Goff who has a lot of weaknesses uh, it makes it very easy on Belichick to make a game plan for them. I felt like Goff faced a lot more pressure than he did in any other game this season. And as we know, Goff is not good versus pressure at all. That's what caused all those mistakes to happen that PD was mentioning. That's why his footwork seemed a little bit off in this game and his accuracy pretty much plummeted, I'd say. The Patriots also did a great job of limiting this Lions rushing attack, probably one of the only games of the season. Uh, you could really say that because this was a really good rushing team. 
so overall, that closed off a lot of Jared Goff's game, and better quarterbacks definitely would be able to overcome, you know, this sort of game plan against them. But Jared Goff just isn't that type of guy, and that's what we saw in this game. Yeah, moving on to the next one. So after the bye week, um, again, another stinker um, for the Lions offense. And Goff really played poorly in this one. I thought even worse than the previous week, maybe, because the previous week there were some issues with the sporting cast for sure. But this one, like, th- there's there's really nothing to, to really um, build off of here. Um, put the ball in harm's way four times with one even uglier fumble than the one he had the previous previous game. Um, and took five sacks, which was which was pretty bad. Um, he did complete um, a bunch more passes, but I thought that there were a number of easy throws for him that were set up. Um, and yeah, he really didn't do any heavy lifting of his own in this one. Yeah, this was definitely another stinker type of game. Uh, and I will say this game did feel like a little bit the Lions were simply just outmatched because this Cowboys defense was really good and granted the Lions did go up against good defenses earlier in the season too in that Pats defense and especially that Eagles defense in week one and did put up a lot of points but for whatever reason and I guess I won't say for whatever reason because it was primary Jared Goff primarily Jared Goff just not playing well but this Cowboys defense just had their number all day I will push you on that point that I uh, that you were saying that his supporting cast wasn't really an issue. I would say this Lions offense as a whole kind of stunk up this game. It wasn't just Goff. I would say guys like Amon Ross St. Brown and TJ Hawkinson did a pretty bad job of getting open in this game as well. I felt like Trayvon Diggs kind of locked up Amon Ra this one. And the rush running game wasn't too good. Uh, the Lions offensive line also played poorly, and I thought that was kind of the reason that he had so many sacks. However, he did take a lot of sacks and a lot had a lot of pressure throughout this game, and I think that's just because Jared Goff was simply holding the ball too long, and the Cowboys' defensive line just gets after every quarterback, and Goff was simply not able to handle that. Uh, and I guess this is a common theme at this point. You know, whenever there's an elite pass rush in front of him, a team that can really, really get after him, he kind of crumbles. And one thing I guess that was kind of saving grace in this game was he did have solid accuracy, but I'd say that's mainly because his confidence got a little shook in this game. Uh, He did have those mistakes, and he was simply just checking the ball down, getting getting it out of his hands as quick as possible. That's why they weren't able to score points. That's why they really weren't getting downfield. And that's why that second half, they got absolutely shut down. The Cowboys had their number, and Jared Goff was not able to figure anything out. So definitely a poor performance from him. Yeah, moving on to the next one. So this is the first game where I was like, wow, this is a very, very good game. Um, Against Miami, a little bit of a softer defense, but Goff was absolutely on fire in this one. Didn't put the ball in harm's way at all. And when Goff does that, it's going to end up with a really good game because that's usually what's holding him back. Um, And yeah, pushing the ball down the field, reasonably well in this one a number of accurate intermediate and short passes mixed with a few explosive plays um this is this is exactly what you want to see um if you're a supporter of golf and um yeah I, I really can't knock him about pretty much anything in this game yeah these are the type of games exactly why i feel like he's an average level quarterback 
because and I'd say this was an above average to very good performance for him. But I think it's games like these which show why the Lions brought in Jared Goff and why I feel like he's not that bad is because when he is able to limit those mistakes in this system, he is able to put the ball in his receiver's hands very, very well, get them open, have a lot of explosive plays. I mean, this Lions offense has a lot of talent. It had, especially at this one in the season, it has a lot of talent. It has a lot of guys that can just make plays in open space. And obviously you want as good of a quarterback as you can. But when you have someone like Jared Goff, uh, who is able to get it to these guys accurately and quickly, it, it makes for very good offense. And this was particularly impressive in this game because this was another one of those rare occasions where the Lions run game was not working. And I think it's because DeAndre Swift had kind of a poor performance in this one. And despite that, Jared Goff was still able to get the ball out to his guys despite the play action not really working. And like PD mentioned, this was a bit of a weaker defense. Uh, that definitely played into it. And this was kind of a shootout. I mean, if you look at the Miami stats in this one, it was pretty ridiculous. But granted, Jared Goff did a great job of spreading the ball out. He attacked the field deep, short, intermediate, kind of everywhere. Uh he did exactly what you wanted to do and did that with making no mistakes without taking a whole lot of pressure, only one sack, which even that I would say kind of wasn't his fault. He was just trying to make something happen late in the game. Uh, the only issue I have with him is in the second half, they did get a little bit shut down. And I, even though I don't think that was mainly his fault, I do think it's always going to be a bit of an issue with the quarterback if you're getting shut out completely in the second half. But still, a very good performance from him. Yeah, moving on to the next one. Uh, this one against the Packers. This one, again, he returns to his old ways of being bad. Um, just really, really poor consistency um, uh, with the accuracy. Puts the ball in harm's way twice, only punished for one of them. I think this one, at the time, it got a little bit lost in the shuffle. That golf was really bad because on the other side, the Packers offense was absolutely staking it up. But, um, yeah, this this was a poor performance, um, and the box score is definitely not lying. <laughs> yeah, these are the games from Jared Goff that just absolutely pissed me off. And before the podcast off, off recording, we talked about Goff a little bit, and PD was trying to pin me as a Goff lover, but... Games like this is why that'll never be the case for me because I just simply can't understand how he can be this inconsistent where we just saw the previous week he plays against that Miami team and plays lights out. And granted, this Packers defense is a little bit better, but I certainly wouldn't call them elite in this season whatsoever. And he just absolutely shit the bed. I mean, there are plenty of mistakes he wasn't even thinking about trying to attack downfield. Uh, he was pretty inaccurate in this one, I'd say. Uh, this was one of those games where the run game was, I wouldn't say shut down, but wasn't quite as good as the Lions normally have had it this season. And Goff simply could not handle that. And it was weird because he was bad without really having a lot of pressure in his face in this one. Uh, I think it was just one of those games where he was just off, like, with his mechanics, his accuracy, his timing, everything just felt off. And he really couldn't get anything going aside from, you know, a couple of catches here and there with Amon Ross St. Brown. But aside from that, he was just checking it down, hitting drags, 
just getting the ball out as soon as possible. It looked like he was shook in this game, and I just simply don't understand why. It was very, very weird and a pretty poor performance, I'd say, for him. Maybe his worst of the year. Um, yeah, I, I tend to tend to agree there. Um, and moving on to the next one against Chicago, this one again, um, another poor performance, in my opinion, where the box score is really lying. So I think that his accuracy in this one was not like really not as good as the, the box score indicated with the 73.1% completion percentage and the one turnover where the play that he had, which was dropped was exceedingly horrible. Um, so I mean, the offense really didn't ask him to do much, and he had an ugly turnover-worthy play. And this is a perfect case of where the box score is is totally lying to me. So, um, again, I thought Goff played poorly again. Uh, to me, I wouldn't say this was a poor performance from him. I wasn't particularly impressed by this game. But I think despite those mistakes you mentioned, I still he pulled through with an average performance. Although the box score may lie a little bit with that accuracy, he definitely was not at the standard as he was in some of those games where he was really good earlier in the year. I still think he was solid. It was just one of those situations where the catch radius of Amonro St. Brown bailed him out, kind of like I was talking about earlier, where Amonro is a great receiver who can get a lot of passes all over the place and... That's why Jared Goff statistically does not look necessarily as bad as he would have. Uh, but I was still relatively uh, not too mad about this performance because of a couple of reasons. One being his fourth quarter. Uh, once again, he came down and had two pretty impressive drives to bring this team back along with that pick six that brought this team back in that quarter. And overall, throughout this game, I think he was relatively uh, consistent. I'd say earlier in the game where they had a little bit of offensive struggles, I wouldn't say it was all his fault. It did also have to do with the fact that the run game, once again, wasn't really going too well. And I'm starting to say this a lot. I'm starting to think this run game wasn't as good as I thought uh, in this season. And I'd say aside from Amon Ra, his uh, receiver core and the talent around him wasn't really getting open either. I'd say Jared Goff kind of had to make do with what he had in this situation. And it wasn't the best, but I also won't say it was the worst because he also didn't have to deal with a lot of pressure. Two sacks he did take, but I'd say only one of them was his fault. And overall, since he wasn't dealing with a lot of pressure, I wouldn't say that was a problem. Uh, aside from that one uh, turnover-worthy play you mentioned, I, I feel like he didn't make a whole lot of terrible mistakes. Granted, that one mistake was pretty terrible, though. Uh, overall, I think he did a lot of bad, but a lot of decent plays as well to get them get them downfield, get them scores. And it came out to about an average performance for me. Yeah, Goff is interestingly one of the luckiest quarterbacks in the NFL with avoiding interceptions yeah. especially this past season that like, i can in, definitely agree with he's in like the mid-20s for turnover he plays just through the air um at, at, like interceptable passes and uh seven interceptions so hmm something going on there anyway um moving on to the next game against the giants again a poor performance for me um just really not not enough consistency down to down um puts the ball in harm's way twice both of them dropped um, and really not pushing the ball down the field. 
enough with consistency to make up for that. So um, another poor performance in my book. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you on this performance, even though I disagreed on the last one. I felt like this week Jared Goff was pretty lackluster. And I think the difference for me between the last week and this week was his uh, unwillingness to really push the ball downfield. Uh, even though the Giants really didn't pressure him much at all in this game, uh, Jared Goff still had one of those games where he was just off for whatever reason. And that's kind of shot his confidence. And as a result, we weren't really seeing him try to go into that intermediate and deep range at all in this game. And that's what held the offense back overall. And I guess there was the fact that they didn't, he wasn't asked to do as much in this game as maybe in other games because the Giants were kind of selling the bag themselves and not really scoring a whole lot. And the Lions were getting a lot of mistakes going their way from the Giants. Uh, and that led a lot of easy scores. And as a result, Goff wasn't asked to do nearly as much as, you know, the normal game. Uh, but despite that, he really had no plays that wowed me. He really didn't try whatsoever to go downfield. Uh, but I will say him not dealing with too much pressure, and I would say he didn't really make too many mistakes in this game as well. Uh, so to me, there wasn't a whole lot of downside either. It was just he was so unwilling to really do anything passing the ball downfield that it made this a bad performance. Yeah, moving on to the next one. So this is where there's a string of stronger games and kind of the reputation building for Goff um, really, <laughs> this is where it starts. I think the, uh, I don't want to use that word, but yes. Um, so this one against the Bills um, plays a pretty solid game. Puts the ball in harm's way one time for a dropped interception, and um, was reasonably good at pushing the ball down the field in intermediate and a couple of deep passes. Um, and the big thing that's that's a lot better in this one is that he had much stronger accuracy on passes beyond like five yards downfield. So. That, that was pretty impactful to me. Um, and overall, he played a pretty good game, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I think in this game, we started to get back to you know, what we saw in some of those early games earlier in the season where Jared Goff has kind of gotten back to his game. And it was surprising to me that this was the game that he chose to do that when it was the Bills defense, which is one of the better ones in the league. But Jared Goff is very confusing, and this just kind of added to it. Uh, but I think the the real thing that turned things around for him is him finding a consistent connection with Amon Ross St. Brown again. I mean, I think Amon Ra is clearly the best talent on this year's team by a big margin, uh, especially receiving, especially now that they have traded away TJ Hawkinson at this point of the year. Uh, and I think when Goff can't find him, that whole offense kind of falls apart because no one else uh, in that receiver core really is talented enough to get enough separation to consistently have the Lions move the ball downfield. And Goff also isn't good enough to, you know, throw a guy open and make something happen that way. You do kind of need a number one who can garner a lot of the defensive attention and be the main guy helping Goff move this offense forward. And that's what he kind of rekindled with Amon Ross St. Brown, and that's why things kind of went his way again. His accuracy was a lot better. He once again did not deal with a lot of pressure all game. 
Uh, he, even though he took two sacks, he just really wasn't pressured too much this game. And he didn't make any mistakes, in my opinion. This was That's a huge thing, obviously, as PD said. His mistakes are primarily what end up holding him back. And in this one, for me, he didn't really make any mistakes. And despite the rushing game being not too hot in this one, Goff was able to do a good job of spreading the ball, getting it to his playmakers. He was attacking all levels of the field. So pretty good performance for me as a whole. All right, moving on to the next game against Jacksonville. So this one was even better than the previous game. Um, Really, really, really good job with the accuracy. Just extremely pinpointed this one. Suffered a couple of drops and had some throwaways that are hurting his completion percentage, even beyond like the 75% number. So really, really strong game in that standpoint. Um, and yeah, a couple of plays down the field um, and only put the ball in harm's way one time. So um, strong game from Goff here again. Yeah. Also for me, this game really, really impressed me. And for many of the same reasons, the last game, last week's game imp- impressed me and Jared Goff not only did that, but honestly topped it. Like you said, he was even better in this game. And that's because in all those things that he was good at last week, he improved upon it. He was once again more accurate. And even though the completion percentage is already pretty damn good, like PD said, he did have a couple of drops which made it uh, look a little bit worse. So he was pretty much lights out in terms of accuracy. He, as you can see from the nearly 350 yards he threw, he was definitely attacking downfield. And granted, this Jaguars defense, especially at this point in the season, was not the best. They definitely had a lot of holes, uh, a lot of young de- defensive players who kind of got out-schemed in this game, I'd say, by the Lions coaching staff. Because I really did not see the Lions receivers run open left and right kind of the way they were in this game. I mean, yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown was obviously great, as he always is. And like I said in the previous weeks, Goff rekindled that connection, and that's why the Lions offense started getting going again. And now you start to see guys like DJ Chark or Josh Reynolds, DeAndre Swift start to get open as well because of how much attention they need to put on Amon Ra. And Goff senses that, and he's able to split the uh, spread the ball out. I mean, you see in his bad games, you see Amon Ra's numbers down, and he near doesn't nearly as much spread the ball out. And when Goff is able to do that, get the ball to multiple different people rather than zone in on one guy, but still have one guy be his primary target who's taking the main attention, I think that's where Goff is at his best. And once again in this one, he didn't really make any mistakes that kind of derailed what he had going on, even though there wasn't necessarily a bunch of explosive plays left and right. It was a lot of consistent chunks of yardage that they got in this game. And for me, that's why this was one of Goff's better games. All right, moving on to the next one. So I think this one's his best game of the season. Just absolute domination by the Lions offense as a whole, consistently generating chunks in, chunks in the intermediate area. Um, he only put the ball out of harm's way one time um, for another dropped interception. Add that to the count. But um, yeah, that's probably holding it back from being a truly elite game. Um, he was really strong in terms of accuracy even suffered a number of drops um, on valuable passes. So his stat line could have been something like in the 400 yards and four touchdowns range. Um, but yeah, really, really strong game from Goff here. Um, I was very impressed. Yeah, I got to agree with you that he's kind of been on a roll at this point. And 
once again, it's that same thing coming into account. It's him just being able to spread out the ball to all his guys. And in this game, Amon Ra wasn't even as much as a focal point as he was in other games. And I think it kind of had to do with the fact that this being a divisional matchup, the Vikings see the Lions a lot. They kind of know that he's a guy that they really want to go to. I felt like he was being targeted more by that Vikings defense. And Jared Goff was able to adapt. He was able to get it to his other guys. This, I think this is probably the most the ball has been spread <laughs> this entire season. I mean, even Penny Sewell got a catch in this game. Uh, that was a wild play too. Uh, and Jared Goff's accuracy was on point once again. Uh, the Lions run game finally came back a little bit in this game, uh, mostly to do with the fact that they had one weird uh, rushing play that got them a whole bunch of yardage that kind of opened up the Vikings defense a little bit because their consistent running game was still pretty ass in this game once again. Uh, but despite that, Jared Goff was able to not put the ball in harm's way too much. I do agree he did have that one drop pick, but I think even with that, this was still a very, very strong performance, still very, very strong accuracy. And overall, I think I'd have to agree and say this was his best performance of the year. Uh, very, very impressed. Yeah, so moving on to the next one. So this one is a little bit um, – this was the only bad performance of a string of really good ones starting from that Bills game that I mentioned. Um so against the Jets, um, tough game. The consistency element was a little bit more lacking in this one. Um, and he put the ball in harm's way for one dropped interception. Wasn't able to make up for it by pushing the ball down the field. They were pretty conservative on offense overall. Um, and yeah, I, I, I thought this was the one bad game in his string of really good ones from Week 12 onwards. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call this game bad from Jared Goff, but I will say this was definitely the down game of a string of very, very good performances. And it really confuses me why, because they faced a lot of better defenses. And this Jets defense definitely was solid during this season, was really the reason the Jets had any success this season, because their offense was a, was a carousel of quarterbacks. But... I still think the Lions faced better defenses, and for whatever reason, this was another one of those games where Goff was a little bit off. His accuracy was not as on point as you would expect him to be, and when Jared Goff's accuracy dips a bit, you see it a lot more than with other quarterbacks because you can't make up for it. Uh, a bad, we can't make up for a bad accuracy day with you know massive chunk plays and huge playmaking plays or scrambling or you know running around and finding someone because that's just not something Jared Goff can do. That's not something he has in his locker. And when you have a little bit of an off day accuracy wise, uh, it really hurts compared to you know most other quarterbacks in the league. I still think he did a good job of not only getting the ball to Amon Ross St. Brown, but spreading the ball out. It's just nearly not as much as normal. Uh, and I think that has to do with the fa accuracy fact. He also didn't attack downfield as much as I would have liked, aside from one 51-yard pass, which was kind of just schemed by the Lions' offensive coordinator. Goff really didn't even try throwing the ball downfield. Uh, it was a lot more of that intermediate game, but... Because his accuracy wasn't on point, that intermediate game wasn't as effective as it normally would have been. Uh, but the reason it was still an average performance for me is because 
he really didn't make too many mistakes. He didn't deal with pressure pretty much the entire game, and I think that's because he did a good job of making the right decisions and getting the ball out quick. Uh, he was still able to push the ball downfield, a co- or not downfield, but push the offense downfield a couple of times to get a couple of scores to, you know, w- eventually win them this game. Uh, even though it was an eye-opening, impressive performance, kind of like the other ones, I'd say this was a decent performance, but with a lot to improve upon. Yeah, let's move on to the next one. Um, this one against the Carolina Panthers. And I thought um, this game got a little bit of a bad rep because Goff had a pretty ugly fumble, but um, pretty much for the rest of the game. Um, I, so I thought he dealt with some some bad completion luck. Um, he had a number of batted passes in this one um, and a couple of drops as well. So, um, you know, some of that can be explained by the quarterback. Some of that is just luck and defense making a good play. Um, with the with the batted passes, but I think overall he played a really strong game, uh, pushed the ball down the field pretty well, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have much else to say there. Yeah, surprisingly, I actually agree with you on this one because I actually felt like you may have not liked his performance here, but I actually was pretty fond of the way he played in this one, and I think one thing he did kind of take a downturn in this one compared to the other games was he did face a lot of pressure in this game and did take two sacks which in recent memory he hadn't done a whole lot so a bit of a dip there but pretty much in every other aspect of the game he was a lot better in this game compared to his other games uh he attacked the ball attacked the downfield way more than I expected him to and way more than pretty much every other game I mean we saw deep passes to not only DJ Chark, but like Khalif Raymond too. We saw pretty big passes to like Josh Reynolds, James Mitchell, a lot of like long intermediate slash deep passes in this game from Jared Goff, which really impressed me. I also thought his accuracy was almost lights out in this one. His completion percentage was already pretty good, but if you take into account, like PD mentioned, the drops, a couple of batted passes that normally don't happen his accuracy would have been nearly perfect in this one. And to me, that is nearly perfect. So very, very impressed with that as well. Just a great job of exposing this Panthers defense that really didn't have as much talent as a lot of the other teams they've faced. Aside from that front seven being decent, they really didn't have a whole lot going on this team. Uh, Just... A very, very impressive, or not very impressive, but a pretty impressive performance from Jared Goff here. All right, moving on to the next one. Um, first of two strong games again. Um, this one against Chicago, and he was pretty clean for this game. Put the ball in way one time for another dropped interception. Add that to the count. Um, <laughs> but um, other than that, very clean game. Was really accurate. Didn't take didn't take sacks despite, uh, or didn't take sacks or pressures. Um, and the offensive line was really strong in this one. Um, he was just delivering the ball on time and rhythm. Um, just really good performance overall. Yeah, this game is probably the ideal version of Jared Goff the Lions want because this is one of those games that the Lions running game really took over and Jared Goff was at his best because he was able to play his game, which is not super high volume, like 30-plus passes a game, less than that, where – 
a lot of it was short, quick, a lot of intermediate passes, a lot of play action, and he was pretty much lights out in that role. He was able to work very, very well off the a pretty monster game from Jamal Williams as well as even DeAndre Swift, even though he wasn't asked to do as much as in other games in the place he was asked to do, he pretty much did exactly what he needed to. Uh, even though he didn't attack the ball downfield as much as last week, uh, he really didn't need to because they were still moving the ball pretty easily because of how well they were doing in that intermediate range. And he did a really, really good job of spreading the ball in this one uh, and just breaking down that Bears defense. I feel like at this point in the year, the Bears defense had plenty of holes. Uh, guys were running open left and right, and Jared Goff chose not to force it or try to throw one of his better receivers open. He just decided to hit the open guy every time. And as a result, they were able to nickel their and dime their way downfield pretty much every drive. Uh yeah, really every drive it felt like the Lions offense were able to get something going and this game was pretty much wrapped up by the end of the third quarter. So very, very strong performance for Jared Goff for me. Yeah, moving on to the final game of the season. Um, this one, he knocks the Packers out of the playoffs. No, um, <laughs> he um, he played a pretty strong game this one. A number of strong intermediate passes, pushed the ball down the field for a couple of really nice throws. Um, explosive plays that is um, he does have one ugly fumble um, and one dropped interception that hold it back from being an elite game but still a strong game overall in my opinion um, Lions offensive line really strong game again um, and it definitely helped Goff in this one yeah I pretty much agree with most of what you said there I also had this as a very strong performance for Goff and it was also a great, great a moral victory for this Lions team and Jared Goff as well to beat this Packers team. Uh, the Packers, I mean, as we all know, Rodgers have dominated this Lions team for years. And, I mean, if they were to win this game, they were going to make the playoffs. So it must have felt good for this Lions team to kind of have that over them, even though they didn't have the opportunity to still make the playoffs at this point in the year. And... Uh, Goff did exactly what he needed to do. He did another, had another week where he didn't deal with pressure much because he was able to get rid of the ball so fast. And I think this this string of games kind of shows what I'm talking about with that. Like, even though he is very, very poor when dealing with pressure, there were a lot of instances this season where I saw him be able to get the ball out so fast that didn't, the pressure didn't necessarily matter. It didn't affect him because of how much he was able to just get the ball to his open guys. Uh, once again, did a great job of spreading the ball out. Almost everyone on that offense was able to touch the ball, uh, even in an off game from Amon Ross St. Brown, because Jair Alexander was definitely on him. He was still able to get this offense going just enough. Um, didn't attack the ball downfield too much, aside from one Khalif Raymond pass, but even then he was still able to move the offense downfield with the intermediate and short throws. Probably not one of his most impressive like games volume-wise and stats-wise because, as you can see from the box score, it doesn't necessarily pop off the screen. But to me, this is definitely one of his most clinical performances because he broke down a pretty good Packers defense who was very, very desperate for a win. They were trying everything, and Jared Agoff was just able to mentally outplay this defense. And, yeah, that was pretty impressive. 
All right, so let's talk about team and scheme. Or actually, let's quickly just take 30 seconds to acknowledge um, Nate Sudfeld, um, not really a strong player. Um, we think that he's going to be a low-end backup probably. Um, yeah. Maybe even a high-end third-stringer. Um, and then Hendon Hooker, also in the third-string category, especially with the injury stuff. Um, we might yeah, not even see him the- on the roster for a while. So, yeah. Yeah, pretty much agreed there. I mean, Sudfeld, I have ranked him ranked roughly where you have him. Uh, Hendon Hooker, I am particularly intrigued by. I did like his game in college, and it is a bit of a shame uh, that that ACL took him out, and we're not going to see him for a while and probably may not even see him at all because of that, uh, because of how much he's kind of fallen from you know, what he was supposed to be. Uh, but I still do think he's an interesting prospect and maybe he can find some time on the field at some point with the Lions. All right, let's talk about the team and scheme. So we've been alluding to it quite a lot, um, but the Lions offense is, is really strong in terms of supporting cast. So um, yep. with Goff, there's Amara St. Brown. We expect Jameson Williams to come back and be somewhat closer to the development that he was showing um, in college. Yeah. Um, there, there is a chance that this is um, uh, a little bit of a career changing thing for him um, because he's missed what, essentially one and a half years now. Yeah. So it, it might be a little bit tricky. Um, and then beyond those top two, they also have solid depth of Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond and bringing back Marvin Jones Jr. So um, interesting there. They also drafted Sam Laporta in the tight end room who I, I like for their for their team um they don't really use tight ends traditionally They're more blockers and release valves but um i i do i do like his his potential there and then the star star of the show on this team in general is their offensive line they don't really have holes along the offensive line and a couple of star players with frank ragnow and, and peninsula will really um helping the value of that run game and and strong pass blocking with with jared Goff. so that coupled with the scheme um, Ben Johnson, one of the best play callers in the league overall. Um, it, it really um, is a great situation for him. They um, they run the ball extremely well, uh, or in, in theory, when they're healthy, they they run the ball extremely well. But um, with those injuries last year, it was a little bit trickier. Um, uh, we, we've we've seen high end flashes from this offense with Goff at the helm, and it kind of just comes down to how well he plays. Um, so before we look at his range of outcomes, do you want to say anything there that I didn't say or are you good? Yeah, I honestly, I agree with a lot of what you said in terms of scheme fit, because I mean, that was a big reason as to why I have Goff projected where he is, because I feel like Goff does have a lot of the deficiencies you talk about, but especially what we saw in that second half of last year, the Lions have kind of figured out how to kind of mask it almost and I think this you know this team around him is going to help uh a lot with that I mean one thing I mentioned a bunch of times uh during this and uh or during the recap of his season that I'm particularly impressed by with them is their offensive line I mean the Lions are still a rebuilding team at this point and obviously one of the main things rebuilding teams too is start with the line and the Lions in the past couple of years have done a great job with that and it kind of reflects now because of how good that offensive line is. 
And I said Jared Goff is a really good quarterback to have with the good offensive line because his lack of a mobility kind of hinders him when he's playing with anything worse. But because this offensive line is so good and his pocket awareness is probably one of his best traits and his ability to just shuffle around and stay like unpressured and unbothered, I think that's a great fit for him. And even though Jameer Gibbs, that pick, got a lot of slack and a lot of hate because of where it is, and I would agree, the Lions definitely should not have drafted a running back first round, especially given their situation and the fact that they're not one of those complete teams that need a running back to put them over the top. I agree that it was a bad pick, but I still think this is a very good fit for them. I think Jameer Gibbs is like going to be an upgraded version of what they wanted out of DeAndre Swift, someone who... Jared Goff can dump it down to whenever he wants a speed back who they can get out in space on outside runs or zone type of schemes, maybe even a screen. And we saw that a lot with Jared Goff back in St. or not St. Louis, but LA with the Rams. And I think we can see that even more with this team and Jameer Gibbs. And they kind of wanted to do that with DeAndre Swift, but injuries and him kind of not necessarily having the vision that he was supposed to have coming out of college kind of hindered that and I also think that David Montgomery signing is very very good uh them losing Jamal Williams won't really be missed I don't think because of that signing he's that power back they need to punch in touchdowns you know in the end zone we saw that a lot with Jamal Williams and I think that's going to help Jared Goff a lot because he's one of those people that isn't great at working with tight uh, tight windows and if they're able to just run it in in the end zone where the offense kind of gets more clogged up not too much space and Goff doesn't have to deal with that as much I think that's a great thing for him as well the only shaky thing right now and I think that's purely because of the Jamison Williams suspension that you brought up as well is the receiver core I think Amon Ra is great I think Marvin Jones is also very good for this offense but and Jamison Williams would have really taken this offense to the next level and kind of completed what they need because he is kind of that guy that can take the top off the defense with speed and just be a weapon that can always be a threat and help with the deep game because that was obviously a point of a like struggle for the Lions all of last season. Uh, but with him obviously being suspended for six games for gambling as well as dealing with all the injuries from last year, we really don't know what's going to happen with him. So that concerns me a bit. Uh, another thing I would have wished they addressed a little better is the tight end position. I think in LA, Tyler Higby was a great fit for them because off the play action, he's someone that can just leak out and Jared Goff can dump off to and get, you know, six, seven yards here and there pretty easily. And I thought TJ Hawkinson was also able to be a good for that. And I know they didn't want to pay him and, you know, that's why they got rid of him. But I do feel like they could have used a better tight end there that could, you know, help Jared Goff out there. But overall, a pretty, pretty good offense around him. All right, let's talk about the juicy stuff. So um, yep. let's talk about the range of outcomes for Goff here. So um, for me, the median outcome, um, like I said earlier on, is, is a blow average starter. Like he, um, he puts the ball in harm's way a little bit too much for my liking doesn't make up for it with enough explosive plays. Now, um, I am going to be a little bit higher on the high-end outcomes because 
I understand that the scheme fit here is really strong and it could lead to some development from him. Um, so 75th percentile outcome, I'm looking at something more like a strong starter, um, where normally for a quarterback of his caliber, in my opinion, it would be closer to like an average starter. But for him, um, more like in that 14-ish type of range is what I'm looking at as a 75th percentile outcome. And at his 100th percentile outcome, like the very best outcome possible, um, I think he could be a pro bowler. Like he completely synergizes with the offense. He looks like what he did in 2018 type of thing. Um, that That's a pro bowl level quarterback to me. Um, and then at his lower end outcomes, um, I am also going to be a little bit lower on those because we've seen in the past when there's been like injuries along the offensive line um, and the play calling hasn't been up to standards. He's just completely fallen off a cliff. So my 25th percentile outcome, he looks a little bit more like a fringe starter, um, more like a high-end backup type thing. And his lowest end outcomes, he looks like an average backup type thing. Like um, he just really looks very poor if they have a number of injuries, something like that. Yeah, I have a little bit of a different uh, perspective in terms of his outcomes because I obviously, as we know, have him a little bit higher in terms of his median outcome. But I think at this point in Goff's career, we kind of know what to expect out of him. And even though his supporting cast is really good and could elevate him a little bit or maybe his own play could hold him back a little bit, I really don't see much like variation in the level of play from him because to me I think he's firmly placed in that 10 to 20 range in terms of quarterbacks because of just the fact that he's not bad enough and doesn't have as many mistakes as some of the younger guys may have to the point where he's going to fall to a low level starter but I really don't think he has the physical tools or gifts or just even ability to break down a defense to get to that top 10 or Pro Bowl range. I really don't see a ideal outcome where Jared Goff becomes a Pro Bowler next year. I think that ship has sailed for him. So for me, his average outcome is going to be an average uh, average quarterback, something from that like 15 to 17 range. That's kind of where I had him last year. And that's where I expect him to be again this year because I don't think a whole lot has changed. I think a situation has gotten slightly better, but not to the extent to where he'll jump up massively. Uh, I think his lower end outcome is probably a below average starter where PD has him in his average outcome. Uh, I think if things go bad for him in terms of decision making and him making more mistakes than we want him to, and that's obviously been an issue for him. Or maybe, you know, injuries pile up with this Lions team and, you know, the offense around him isn't as good. And if the offensive line slips a bit or if this uh, supporting cast slips a bit, I could see him falling into that low-level starter range. And I honestly think his best-level outcome is not that much higher than his average-level outcome for me. I think it would be something in that 12 to 14 range because I really just don't see him being an elite-level, Pro Bowl-level quarterback. Yeah, for me, the thing is, like, I think he synergizes really well with specific types of supporting casts. So that can lead to different ways that he plays, I think. Um, when he when he's comfortable, he's pretty aggressive. And um, when he's uncomfortable, he tends to do really stupid stuff. Um, so yeah. I, I think that's why there's a big discrepancy. Um, I think maybe if you're thinking about it, like, um, your supporting cast is more like a constant, then yeah, um, it's it's possible that his range of outcomes is smaller. But I'm not 
I'm not going to do that with, with a distribution, right? It's like the best outcome yeah. possible, the, the worst outcome possible. So uh, I kind of want to represent everything that could potentially happen. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Cause like we did see his season last year where he was very, very much inconsistent. And I could see why you can see why you think he, he can go up and down based on that. But to me, what's constant is the supporting cast because I don't see like the level of supporting cast changing much from what it was last year. And we kind of seen like Jared Goff with this Lions team for two years now. And to me, he's kind of been the same guy for two years now. So that's why I just don't see too much variation in where he ends up unless, you know, something drastic happens in terms of him changing the way he plays. But I also don't think that happens because he kind of is who he is at this point in this age. He's not too old to be falling off, but he's not young enough to where he's going to improve by a large margin. All right, so let's quickly run through Nate Sudfeld and Hennon Hooker um, just to retouch on it um, because it's this um, range of outcome section. So Nate Sudfeld, fringe third stringer type um, with median back of upside type thing. Um, and he could maybe fall off the depth chart in his lower end outcomes. And in Hooker, I don't really see much upside because of the injury this year. And I don't know his path to playing time, but his his average outcome when he's on the roster is probably something like an average third stringer. Yeah, Nate Sudfeld, I pretty much agree with your range. Um, I've really nothing else to add there. If anything, I would hope they would have improved in that backup range in case something happens to Jared Goff. And in terms of Hendon Hooker, I also agree that he's just going to end up being average to below average third string player uh, for now because of that injury. I think for a quarterback like him, that injury is tough to recover from as fast as, you know, this season. So I don't expect much out of him now. Uh, But I do see him in the near future being able to progress to a backup role on this team as soon as like next season or something. All right. So that'll wrap up our Lions talk and let's move to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So um, Steelers have a couple of quarterbacks on their roster worth discussing. Um, We're not going to go too much in detail with the likes of Trubisky and and Mason Rudolph, but we'll fly through Trubisky and then go through Kenny Pickett's games. Um, So quickly, let's touch on Kenny Pickett's game before we jump right in and go game by game. Uh, Kenny Pickett, um, strong player out of structure and kind of likes to play in that, that type of um, type of situation. Um, He kind of goes from the pocket at an above average rate. Um, Doesn't have the best sense for um, being consistent with getting all the way through his progressions, but is a solidly accurate quarterback when he does, when he does do those types of things um, and can play the kind of schemed up short game, um, which they run a lot of in Pittsburgh. And he makes the occasional really nice play out of structure. Um, I, I think it, it's kind of um, an interesting fit with the way that the Steelers run offense. The Steelers just kind of generally do not have a good offensive game. We'll, we'll keep touching on it um, as we, we talk about Pickett more, but I don't think they have a strong scheme in really any sense. Um, they just uh, do not push the ball down the field well at all, despite Kenny Pickett being a, a pretty sol- solid deep ball thrower. Um, so that's that's a little bit tricky for him to navigate. Um, and some of their um, repetitiveness with their concepts becomes very easy for defenses to pick up on. So um, 
yeah, I, I don't like the situation that he's in. And despite that, um, he produced a number of explosive plays down the field, was pretty aggressive when, when he had the opportunity to be. Um, and yeah, I kind of, I kind of like his game overall, even though he doesn't have like a strict adherence to structure. Yeah, I agree that he definitely showed a lot of flashes in last season. And especially if you look at his stats at face value, you would think he had a pretty rough season and really didn't show much. But I think that kind of just attributes to the inconsistency that he had last season. And that's why I say he's showed flashes because there were a lot of situations where he played poorly and it reflects of it. And I think what also brought his season down overall were a couple of poor spot performances, which we'll get to talking about, I'm sure. Uh, there are a couple of games would just really bring down his overall totals and what people may think of it. But I also agree with a lot of what you said in terms of him having the potential to be something else. I think his out-of-structure play is also pretty phenomenal. I know people say this about white quarterbacks a lot, and it kind of has become like, almost a meme but I really do think he's got that sneakly athleticism I think for someone of his like size and I guess stature you wouldn't expect him to be able to get out in the open field and make the plays he does but he really is able to do that at a very high level and I think the one thing he really needs to work on is consistency of accuracy because I do think he has the potential for being an accurate NFL quarterback, but he certainly was not that last year. And I just think it was just inconsistency with his footwork or just not really creating synergy with his receivers this early on, which hopefully that second thing should improve by next season for sure. The first thing, him just being inaccurate with his uh, footwork and mechanics, that's something we have yet to see. Uh, I think he has a really, really good body for an NFL quarterback, obviously being 6'3", 220. Uh, I think he's someone that has good pocket awareness and just overall feel. I think with young quarterbacks, the one thing you really got to look at outside of stats and everything is feel. And I think Kenny Pickett being a longtime starter at Pittsburgh and just overall seems like someone who has a lot of experience at quarterback and just has the right feel for the game. He makes the right decisions at the right times. And mentally, he is seeing the game the right way. It's just sometimes his quick decision-making and his ability to deliver the ball with the right velocity and the right speed, right accuracy just isn't there just quite yet. And I could see him kind of progressing in two different ways Either he does kind of fix that aspect of his game a little bit, refine that, uh, the inconsistencies in accuracy and, you know, the turnover-worthy plays. And if he patches that up, he definitely has the tools to be even an elite-level NFL quarterback. But I could see it going the other way where it's something he really doesn't patch and he kind of just relies on his athleticism and big playability to just continue having this offense go and sometimes young quarterbacks do that because you know when you're developing as a quarterback you're not going to be as good of an offensive player as when you're just you know running around making something happen and making plays for the offense sometimes quarterbacks kind of fall in that limbo of I need to help the team now and just make plays happen and then later down the line that affects them so hopefully pick it changes or picking develops in the right direction. Uh, and with that being said, I think let's jump right into his first game.
which was pretty Before rough. we jump into his game, um, let's fly through these Mitch Trubisky performances. So week one to three, Trubisky a little bit up and down. So first two weeks, I think it was pretty mediocre. Put the ball in harm's way twice in those games, but his accuracy was a bit of a concern. Um, didn't really put the ball on the money enough, in my opinion. And then the third game, he played pretty well. Um, uh, just making explosive plays down the field. Um, again, not not the greatest accuracy, but he was really aggressive, and um, I thought that led to a good game. And then his final game where he got benched, very, very mediocre. Put the ball in harm's way a couple of times, but had a really nice uh, explosive play in a tight window um, that ended up being dropped. So, um, yeah, just, just a bit of a mixed bag for Trubisky. Um, I think it was the right decision to end up benching him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's really not much more I can add. I think I had said going into this 2022 season, even on the podcast, that Trubisky simply should not be a starter in 2022, and he definitely looked it. I'd also have to agree that those first three performances were pretty poor, and then he did have a couple of mid-performances here and there. I think my favorite of his would have to be that last one against Carolina, where he did look all right, I guess. Uh, but And I guess it was a relatively impressive win week one versus the Bengals. I mean, nobody really expected the Steelers to come out and win that. And honestly, the Bengals played so bad that people thought they might be they might be done and that might be a flash in the pan type of season. Uh, but overall, really not much to say about Trubisky. He's a backup now, and that's really where he should be. All right, let's get to the juicy stuff. So, Kenny yep. Pickett, right? So, he starts playing games um, in week four against the Jets. And his first game, um, the box score is doing a serious number with him. So, um, three interceptions, and he has zero total really plays. All of them really horribly unlucky plays for him. Um, and I thought overall, um, he did a good job when he was when he was actually throwing the ball. He does have one ugly fumble, which is why he doesn't have an actual good game for me in this one. But... Um, overall, just kind of okay, and the three interceptions plus the fumble really like lying about the way he played. Honestly, I was a little bit pe- more pessimistic about this first game. I f- was honestly didn't really see much uh, of those flashes that I talked about I me mean, seeing in Kenny Pickett in this game. And yeah, I do think he did have some unluckiness with those picks. There was one deep pick to Chase Claypool, I do remember, which I'd say, certainly say his, was his fault, uh, as well as the fumble. But there were a couple of tip interceptions that may not necessarily have been his fault. And that really wasn't why I was not as big of a fan of his. I would have to say the real reason I didn't really like this performance was he was pretty much solely going to George Pickens, I felt like he really didn't uh, spread the ball out whatsoever. And I think the Jets defense kind of clocked onto that fact. And later in the game, they were able to really lock down on what he was doing because he felt so one-dimensional. And it's always tough, you know, getting put into a game mid-game as a rookie, first first game of the your career. Uh, so I definitely didn't read into this game too much because Kenny definitely improved and even at this time I knew he was going to improve but in this performance specifically I just really didn't see any passes that blew me out of the water or even impressed me I didn't see any consistently consistent levels of passing in this one 
just overall, it just seemed like he was kind of deer caught in the headlights, and that's why I wasn't too impressed with this game. All right, moving on to the next one, his second game of the year against Buffalo. I thought this one was a little bit of a tough one. So three turnover-worthy plays for me. Um, put the ball in harm's way those three times and only resulted in one interception. So box score lying again. Um, but overall, just pretty average game, in my opinion. Attack the middle of the, or the intermediate area of the field reasonably well, but took three sacks. Um, so that kind of knocks it down to kind of mediocre, below average type of performance, uh, in my opinion. And they, they put a little bit too much on his plate in this one because of the way the, the game went. But um, yeah, I, I, I definitely didn't think that he played well. Yeah, I like what you said at the end there with him having too much on his plate at this game because it really, really confused me what the Steelers were thinking in this game because I think they kind of just threw him into the worst possible situation possible. Uh, They decided to have him have his first game uh, as a starter ever on the road against a really, really good Buffalo defense where they decided they're going to throw the ball 52 times for his first ever start and not go to the run game at all and kind of just get destroyed. And granted, I do think the reason they did that and just kind of feed him to the Wolves was because the Bills had this game wrapped up by halftime and they were probably just getting him reps in. But I feel like his confidence was pretty shook from this game because there was a lot of ups and downs in this one. One, I do agree for someone of his uh, abilities in playmaking and mobility he shouldn't have taken nearly amount the amount of pressure he did in this one and I'd say all three of those sacks he ended up taking were his fault he did have I also agree that he had three turnover worthy plays which also took down his performance overall for me uh but I just think it was a tough situation because he didn't have any help from the running game his receivers obviously not being the best in general they also didn't get a whole lot of space Uh, I think he did do a good job of attacking all three levels of the field, but overall he was still relatively inaccurate for my liking. Uh, I think the box score lies a little bit because it doesn't look too bad, and I would say this was a below average performance, but I do want to take the context and everything into account because I think the Steelers really put him in a shit position, and he kind of just had to deal with the cards he was dealt. Yeah, moving on to the next one uh, against Tampa Bay. This one, again, um, rough performance for me. Um, he doesn't put the ball in harm's way in this one, but the way that the Steelers' offense was structured um, when he was asked to drop back and pass, it was it was really bad. Like, they didn't push the ball down the field at all, um, and he had a couple of inaccurate passes even on those. So, um, yeah, just he really couldn't get anything going at all in the, t- in the limited snaps that he did play. Yeah, this game was a weird one for me because I couldn't extract a whole lot from him because he didn't play a full game. And I think because of that, he didn't really get into the rhythm that we saw from him later in the year when he improved a little bit. And at this point of the year, things were starting to look ropey because this was three back-to-back I'd back to back to back poor performances, I'd say, from him. And I think the general public saw it as that as well. I think he took way more pressure than the snaps we saw out of Trubisky, which is kind of concerning considering Trubisky is much older and supposed to be a lot less athletic. So that concerned me a bit. And in general, the fact that Trubisky looked a lot better than him in this game was quite concerning. 
his accuracy was pretty bad, I'd say, in this one. And what really worried me was him really not attacking the ball, down, attacking the uh, downfield, or even really the intermediate range. Uh, he was he was kind of just dumping the ball off, getting rid of it as soon as he could. He looked a little shook and bothered, I'd say, by the Bucks defense. And he really didn't find a connection with any of his receivers. Uh, this was definitely a very rough performance for him. All right. Um, let's keep the trend going with the rough performances against Miami. <laughs> so this one, um, put the ball in harm's way a couple of times, got unlucky on one of his interceptions. Um, he does make up for it for with a couple of nice throws down the field, but that's not really enough to save him entirely. I thought he was kind of a little bit below average in this one. Um, his accuracy was better overall in this one, and he had a couple of drops that could have helped his stat line, but um, yeah, just just not a great performance overall. Uh, I think this performance was a classic rookie performance because almost every drive, I felt like he did have a play or two where I was like, okay, this guy has what it takes, and then he would just string a couple of poor plays together that would just ruin the drive, kill all offensive momentum, and ultimately the reason why the Steelers only scored 10 points in this one. Uh, those three picks were pretty detri- detrimental to his game here. He simply can't make those that many mistakes. And once again, he spe- felt a lot of pressure in this one from the Dolphins. And this is a Dolphins team who pretty much every other quarterback we talk about, we say, oh, they didn't really deal with a lot of pressure because it was the Dolphins' defense. And the fact that Kenny Pickett did have that was very, very concerning. Uh, I think his accuracy was a lot better in this one as well as his ability to spread the ball out and kind of build a connection with his guys, you know, guys he's going to be throwing to next year even, like Frymuth, Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. I felt like they were kind of getting that connection going as well as the fact that he was actually attacking that intermediate range of the field in this one. I did see a lot of balls go to that 10 to 25 yard range, which we really didn't see in any of the other games. He still had yet to attack the ball deep, but I guess that's something that develops a little bit later in his game. Uh, but overall, yeah, still pretty weak and definitely needs to cut down on those mistakes and the amount of pressure he took. Yeah, um, I agree with that. All right, let's move on to the next game against Philly. Um, let's continue the trend of rough performances, man. Um, this one, again, um, he gets a little bit lucky in this one, puts the ball in harm's way through the air three times, and a fumble on the ground as well. And they just really couldn't generate much consistency through the air overall. Um, a number of sacks, six of them in this one. Um, and, yeah, just I, I really thought he could have played a lot better. Yeah, this game was one of those Eagles games where there's a simply overmatch their opponent, and Kenny Pickett was just unfortunately another victim to that. I mean, he seemed like he was just running around under pressure all game in this one. It was kind of ridiculous. I mean, he took six sacks. That is insane. And I also agree he did have, I believe it was two or three uh passes that seemed interceptable that two a couple of them went his way one obviously didn't 
plenty of mistakes in this one. And his accuracy, even though it took a little bit of a bump up last week against this really stingy Eagles secondary, his receivers really were not able to get much space, and he didn't even attempt to throw them open, I'd say. Uh, it looked like he was shook once again. Uh, that intermediate range that I felt like he was finally kind of diving into and attacking last week, he fell back from that once again. And what really, what was really concerning was the fact that the Eagles, just like many of their other games, were able to, you know, take over the game and have it wrapped up by the end of the first half or probably sometime in the third quarter. And it kind of decided to roll back and not really go full-fledged. And the Steelers obviously decided to keep Kenny Pickett in to get him the reps that he needs. And even with the Eagles kind of rolling their you know, team back and not going hard. Kenny Pickett's confidence had kind of shook from how poorly he was playing earlier in the game that he continued to play that way, even though the Eagles weren't playing as hard and essentially didn't have as hard competition. And to me, Kenny Pickett seems like a headstrong guy who can kind of overcome those things. And hopefully he does in the future, but it was a little concerning to see him have such a lack of confidence in this one because he really was not able to overcome the mistakes he was making early on. And it just felt like he was being chased all day by pressure. All right. Moving on to the next one. After the bye week against the Saints, and this one, <laughs> continuing the trend uh, of rough <laughs> performances, um, I promise it gets better um, in these last stretch of weeks. It so, does, it does. Um, against the Bengals, this one puts the ball in harm's way a couple of times, gets lucky that two of them aren't intercepted. He does make a couple of explosive plays down the field, though. I thought those were nice. Um, and he doesn't take many sacks, despite being under pressure for a number of snaps here. Um, so, yeah, uh, I thought he was not absolutely horrible, but um, those two turnover-worthy plays that I mentioned were kind of bad. So that does leave him with a kind of below-average game for me. Yeah, I'd have to agree that this was a pretty awful performance once again. And the thing that pops off the sheet to me again is six sacks, man. It just baffles me how someone of his caliber of athleticism is taking that many sacks. And this was another one of those games where I felt like he was just running around all game away from pressure. And I just, even though the Steelers offensive line was pretty atrocious this season and it definitely is improved this year. And that's something we'll get into as we talk about his team next year. This season was pretty atrocious and even though he had to deal with that, I do think it was a product of him also holding the ball too long and their run game being non-existent. But once again, he was just facing pressure all day. I also think he had a couple of interceptable passes that just went his way. He happened to be lucky. Uh, his accuracy was, I'd say, an improvement from the previous few weeks where it was pretty atrocious but still not at the level I would have wanted from a guy like Kenny Pickett, which it's supposed to be some of his strong suit or one of his strong suits, at least coming out of college it was. And he just simply wasn't able to get any connection with any of his receivers. It felt like very uh, not methodic. It didn't seem like he was getting anything going. Each offensive drive just didn't feel like he was building upon the last uh, he once again was not really attacking that intermediate range of the field. And if you're only going to get the ball out quick and just dump it off, you're really not going to be able to develop, especially versus a team like the Saints, where 
and it's not a tough matchup. He should be able to, you know, kind of develop his game against a team like this. So it was definitely concerning. But as PD mentioned, things do get better. All right. Last rough game, I promise. Um, Yeah. (laughs) This is not worth it. (laughs) Against Cincinnati. um, This one, I think the box score is lying a little bit. He put the ball in harm's way a couple of times and had both of those interceptable passes dropped. Um, He does make a couple of explosive plays down the field to kind of make up for it. So I thought overall it was kind of okay, um, but not totally um, into the good yet. And we'll we'll get there. Yeah, I was going to say, like, even though this was what we would classify a poor performance, it was still a step in the right direction from those previous games, which were really poor performances. And as we start to get into the good games, this was kind of that transitional type of game where he wasn't trash, but you could still see some of the problems that were haunting him earlier on kind of come into play. Like, for example, he didn't take nearly as much pressure as he did in any of the other games. He did a much, much better job of getting the ball out in ample time so that he doesn't have to deal with all that. But he was still taking two sacks and still was pressured on a decent amount of his dropbacks, and that was certainly an issue. Uh, Once again, he did have a couple of turnover-worthy mistakes, but it it wasn't as much as he had, you know, in one of his first few games of the season. And he, again, wasn't, you know, the most accurate quarterback in the world, despite still not attacking, you know, deep in the field. But the accuracy was still better than, you know, the previous games. And one thing I really liked about this one is he finally got into attacking the intermediate range of the field. One thing he was really good at in college was attacking deep and intermediate. He was kind of a huge big play guy. And we finally saw that in this game. We saw pretty impressive passes to guys like George Pickens downfield. Uh, he was The team was able to scheme open guys like Pat Fryermuth and Gunnar Olsuski, I think you pronounce it. That's I probably butchered that. But they were able to scheme those guys open downfield, and Kenny Pitt was able to recognize that and hit those guys. And the Bengals were, are a good team, and he was able to go toe-to-toe with them, uh, even with – a pretty atrocious run game. Once again, he was still able to get things going and almost, you know, compete with this Bengals team. So definitely a step in the right direction for him. Yeah. Um, so that will be the final game that looks anything close to poor. Um, because yeah. from this point on, it's all good stuff. So first game, of this final stretch run that he goes on against Indy. So the box score was kind of lying in this one. I thought he made a number of really impressive throws in the intermediate range and had one really nice explosive play down the field. Um, Despite the fact that their offensive play calling was extremely conservative again, he suffered a couple of drops and, you know, like the the, the way those drives ended, um, not really entirely his fault on on the sacks that he took. I thought he played a really clean and crisp game. Um, and this was the start of something really, really nice for him. Yeah, I think this game was the start of a mentality change for Pickett because, as I mentioned in college, 
Pickett was kind of that guy that was able to make monster plays and highlight plays that were going on ESPN week in, week out. And I felt like early on in the season and even up to that middle point in the season, Pickett was trying to be that same guy in the NFL where he just wanted to make highlight play after highlight play. And it resulted in him trying to do way too much. And as a result, you know, dealing with all those sacks, making all those mistakes, that was because of I just felt like Pickett was trying to do too much. And I think in this game and as we move forward, Pickett kind of settled into what I think is going to be his role in the NFL. I think what he realized he's going to end up having to be because he just simply doesn't have the arm talent and ultra athleticism to be that highlight guy, guy every single week like very few quarterbacks in this league are. I don't think he is that type of talent, but he does have the accuracy and quarterback tools to be a very, very consistent, solid starter, and at least for right now. And that's what he decided to do in this game. He was he made a lot more smart decision, a lot more smart, safe passes, and that's why his accuracy skyrocketed. If anything, I think the completion percentage lies a little bit because I think it was he was a little bit better than that. Uh, I do think a, he was still taking a lot of pressure in sacks, but like PD said, I think this game it had to do a lot with uh, with the fact that how bad his offensive line was, rather than the fact that he him he was trying to do too much. Uh, he finally was able to spread the ball out to all his receivers. We saw plenty of different people get the ball in this game. And I think with this Steelers offense, there isn't really a certified number one guy who he can go to all the time. So I think it's good he's starting to develop that habit, especially for this Steelers team right now. Uh, the only thing I would have liked him to try a little bit more, especially versus a pretty porous Colts defense, was attack the ball downfield because even if it's not a highlight play, he still does need to attack that deep and intermediate range. And this seemed like he was just really passing short all game. So that's the only, my only really problem with him, but definitely not a poor performance and a huge perform uh, improvement. All right, moving on to the next game against Atlanta. He plays okay in this one. Again, um, this one was a solid performance. Um, Dealing with some some weird stuff with um, the receivers and, and stuff like that, where the completion percentage is definitely lying to me. Um, but does make a couple of explosive plays down the field, doesn't put the ball in harm's way. Um, just generally a very clean performance, no sacks. Um, so, yeah, good performance overall from him. Yeah, another massive step in the right direction. Because just a couple weeks ago, we were talking about him being pressured like 40 times a game, taking six sacks. And I believe this game, he, like, really didn't get pressured at all, took zero sacks. And granted, this was an Atlanta defense that was pretty trash throughout this season. Uh, that front seven had did have some talent, but it really didn't come together. Uh, so I will credit some of that to him playing a little bit worse of a front seven. However, he still did a much better job at avoiding pressure just because he was just getting the ball out. I agree with PD that the completion percentage lies a little bit because of a couple of drops and miscommunications with his receivers here and there. Uh, but despite that, he was accurate and spread the ball once again, which, like I said, is going to be crucial for him in this. And I still don't like the fact that he wasn't attacking the intermediate range of the field consistently. He did have one very explosive play to Friar Muth, which very, very impressed me. 
but it's got to be something he's doing often and consistently, and he simply was not doing that in this game. Uh, however, he didn't make mistakes. He wasn't taking sacks, and he did his job. So once again, another step in the right direction, another improvement, starting to show flashes of what he can be in this league. All right, moving on to the next one. So um, against Baltimore, he gets injured. Um Quickly touching on Trubisky's performance for the next couple of games. He plays pretty solidly, I think, overall. Um, definitely quarterback play that's, like, good enough to win. Um, just kind of, like, a solid starter level where he doesn't put the ball in harm's way uh, significantly enough to outweigh the, the explosive plays that he's making down the field. Um, I think he got a little unlucky overall. Four turnover-worthy plays in the couple of weeks that he had. But three interceptions, that's a little bit um, on the unlucky side. Um, but he was making a bunch of explosive plays down the field and was very aggressive. So that really did make up for it uh, and didn't take too many sacks. So um, I thought Trubisky was was all right in, in the spell that he had here. Yeah, I'll, I don't really have much other thoughts on Trubisky. We can move on to the following picket game. All right, so let's look at Kenny Pickett. In week 16 through 18 here. So he returns from injury um, in week 16 against the Raiders. He plays a pretty solid game. Um, puts the ball in harm's way a couple of times, but does push the ball in the intermediate area uh, a bunch for some nice throws. And does make some explosive plays um, down the field, which which definitely did help their offense. So overall, a pretty solid game in my opinion. Um, yeah. Yeah, this game was definitely huge for Pickett for me because him suffering that injury once he started to kind of get things going kind of worried me because with young players, a lot of the time you can see them deal with an injury and you know that kind of knocks them out of the rhythm, ruins the progress they had made previously. And I didn't feel that at all with Pickett, and that was a huge plus point for me. Even though the Raiders' front seven isn't the best overall, they do have Max Crosby, obviously, but overall it's not the best. He was still able to, once again, not be pressured pretty much throughout this game. He once again didn't take any sacks. That was really, really impressive for me. His accuracy, even though it wasn't quite as good as those last few games that we had seen out of him, this was still a massive, massive improvement from those pretty poor accuracy games we saw early on. He once again did a great job of spreading the ball out to his four main guys, being Frymuth, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Najee Harris. Those are probably the... uh, set of skill guys he's going to be dealing with for the future. So it's nice to see him finally, you know, kind of get in a rhythm with some of those guys, especially like George Pickens and Firemuth. I'm starting to, I was really starting to feel at this point in the season, Kenny Pickett, get things going with those guys. And he was able to once again, put up a solid passing performance, despite a really bad rushing game. Once again, Uh, overall, my, only really gripe with him once again was him not attacking the ball downfield and he does make that one in, uh, mistake with the interception that was that was his fault and will end up taking his overall game for me in this one to average cuz i think without mistakes this ends up being above average performance he was attacking that intermediate range a little bit and that's why you started to see a little bit more yards in this game from this one 
uh, but still not a whole lot of scoring, not a whole lot of explosiveness from this offense. Uh, Pickett still feels a little bit limited to me, and as we all know, Pickett is at his best when he's attacking, and he still needs to get to that. All right, speaking of getting to attacking, um, this is this was the jewel of Pickett's season in Week 17 against the Ravens. So the stat line is definitely lying, in my opinion. So there's a number of plays where him and the receivers were not really on the same page. But when he was able to push the ball down the field, they were some exceptional throws, um, especially the one towards the end of the game for the game winner. Um, just on the run, full sprint to his left, just fires into the tight window for Harris and um, gets a touchdown to win the game. So I thought Pickett played an exceptionally good performance, just consistently uh, make, taking advantage of his opportunities down the field when he took them um, and did put the ball harm's way in this one. So. Uh, yeah, was very impressed by Pickett's performance, despite the fact that the stat line doesn't look all that impressive. I Another very, very huge step in the right direction for Pickett. And even though he took a little bit more pressure here and took a few sacks, I would credit that more to the Ravens' defense being really good and obviously the Steelers' offensive line being pretty poor. I really didn't feel like he was trying to do too much, and that being the result here, I also agree that I think the accuracy here uh, in terms of completion percentage is lying a little bit on the box score because you can see from pretty much every other advanced statistic that he was pretty damn accurate in this one. Uh, he was hitting his receivers left and right, and once again, like I said, he's start getting to those four primary guys who are the uh, – I'd say the skill positions, he, who he's going to have to deal with for the future. And he was starting to get that chemistry going with them. Uh, I think he would have had an even more monster game on the box score if the Steelers asked him to do more. This was kind of the, one of those grinded out ground and pound games for both teams. Uh, the Ravens kind of turned it into that sort of game because they were obviously missing Lamar Jackson. Uh, they can't really deal with a shootout and that Ravens defense is really good and can really dictate how games go as well as the Steelers defense. And obviously a matchup between these two teams, divisional rivals always ends up being a rough grounded pound type of game. So for that reason, I don't think Pickett was asked to do a whole lot, but when he was asked to do stuff, he was really, really good. And this was probably one of his few mistake free games in my opinion. So once again, the this was a huge step in the right direction, and he definitely impressed me. All right, so moving on to the final game of the season, um, this one was a really weird game. Uh, the weather was just was really weird, um, and Pickett's completion percentage as a result really suffered. Um, the receivers had a number of drops that would have really helped him get to a decent completion percentage. And again, the, the scheme and, and the way that they were not really on the same page really hurt him. But I thought overall, when he again, when he pushed the ball down the field in this one, it was on the money for strong throws. Um, and the box score, again, definitely lying in this one. I thought he was kind of above average to cap the season. Well, to me, even though I do agree with you that the box score does lie a little bit, and obviously it being very, very tough conditions, uh, I wasn't overly impressed by this game. I would say it ended up being a roughly average game. 
uh, because I think the weather did have some play into it, but I think Pickett was just a little bit off in terms of consistency with his receivers overall. I mean, you see it with guys like Fryermuth not getting a reception at all, or even important players like Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson not having as much of a role. I feel like him and his connection with those guys was a little bit off in this one. And it may have to do with the fact that, obviously, another division matchup always going to be tough. Uh, They know what the Steelers, who the Steelers want to get to, and where they're trying to go consistently. Uh, And I do think the Steelers really, really were focusing more on running the ball in this game. Uh, I wasn't really sure why, because their run game wasn't successful uh, necessarily in this game, but they did try to run the ball a whole lot and kind of took the ball out of Kenny Pickett's hands. Uh, When he was asked to do stuff, he was relatively consistent, but I would like more consistency. I think his accuracy dropped slightly because he was actually attacking downfield. And to me, that's fine when you have a developing quarterback, especially at this point in the season where in terms of competing for a championship, your hopes are over. I'll take a game like this where his accuracy, whether it's the box score or just watching on film, to me, did dip a little bit. But he was obviously attacking downfield, and then when we did see him connect, like that pass to George Pickens deep, it was very, very beautiful. And that's something I wanted him to develop in this in his game and bring back from his college days. And he definitely was starting to bring it back in this game and the last game or so. So even though this was uh, average to maybe even slightly below average performance for me, it was still fine because I like the way he was progressive, progressing and I like the way he was trying to develop. Yeah, just the wind and being freezing cold, it was it was a little bit tougher. It was me, tough. But... Definitely tough conditions. Um, yeah. So that'll wrap up our review of the Steelers quarterbacks games for the season. So let's talk about team and scheme. Uh, I don't really like talking about the Steelers team and scheme, man. Um, it's just <laughs> really like the way that they fit together, it's a little janky and their scheme just continually just makes it horrible. So um, let's talk about the way that they fit together. So um, with Najee Harris, um, the Steelers continue to want to feed him despite the fact that he's proven to not be extremely efficient running back. Um, it's not explosive. Um, just kind of puts his head down and gets like not even like not even the colloquial phrase of, of four yards. He, he puts his head down and gets like three yards. So it's 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 not the best there. Um, and then in terms of um, the receivers, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Allen Robinson, and Pat Farmouth, I think all of them have elements to their game where they want to attack the intermediate and short areas of the field. Um, Allen Robinson at this point doesn't have the deep threat that he wants used to. It's more of a physical. Uh, catch with his body type of guy. Um, and I would describe Pickens kind of the same way. He wins in contested catch situations where you kind of throw it up to him. Um, Frymuth being like a bigger tight end type but also that way. And Deontay Johnson more of like a shifty underneath type of guy. So um, yeah, I don't like the way that they fit together, but I am a little bit um, more fond of the the way that their offensive line has, has been put together than it was last year. Um, a number of guys who are pretty solid or, or good. Um, I would describe Sayamalu, James Daniels, and Jim Okora for as, as solid players. Um, and like I referenced before, um, the scheme with the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's, it's, just, it's just really, really rough to watch at times. Consistently, 
um, throw very, very short passes. And I, I think like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be uh, this direct very often, but I really don't think Matt Canada should be, should be an offensive coordinator in the league. Um, I think that consistently calling repetitive passes, just quick outs, screens, uh, slants, stuff like that. It's, it's really, it's really, really bad. And they mix in a dose of, of like halfback dive on Madden, basically. Um, so <laughs> that, 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 that just makes the offense extremely inefficient overall. Um, as far as the way Kenny Pickett fits into the scheme, like, yeah, he can throw those t- short pass type things, but I would love to see more like uh, downfield passes where they kind of get him out on the move on play action, um, use a bunch of motion to kind of get the defense guys, kind of like what um, the Giants did with Daniel Jones this year. I-, I would maybe like to see an offense more like that for Kenny Pickett. I think it could be even be better than what Daniel Jones did um, with the way that he fits that type of scheme. So, um, yeah, the, the Steelers' offense is drastically different from that, and um, yeah, it, it's pretty rough. Yeah, Petey, I love a lot of what you said because the thing I was going to start on is kind of where you finished is I think the worst fit of all here is Matt Canada. I think it's honestly a travesty that he's still the offensive coordinator of this team after how poor he was the last two seasons. I have some close friends who are Steelers fans who are – very upset that's the case and I just really don't see him fitting in with Kenny Pickett let alone well any young quarterback or any quarterback for that matter in the league I mean he really had zero creativity in terms of the rushing game um like you said his pretty much (laughs) entire rushing scheme consisted of halfback dive or halfback blast and occasionally he sprinkled in halfback stretch uh it's and I will say obviously with the offensive line last year not being where it was maybe kind of hindered what he could do but them having such a a, like lack of uniqueness with their run game really really hinders what the Steelers can do overall and you would obviously love for uh, your run game to be good when you have a young quarterback you spend a first round pick on an elite running back you or uh, what you thought was an elite running back, you would think you could do more. And then uh, in terms of the passing game, I would also agree there's still, once again, almost zero creativity. And we harped on a lot of Kenny Pickett going downfield. Me and PD both agree that coming out of college, this guy was someone who could go downfield. And I still think he's that guy. But when you have Matt Con- Canada constantly calling quick outs and slants and screens and just dumping the ball off to Najee Harris 25 times a game. It just, it simply won't work, and it won't work with the progression of Kenny Pickett. So to me, that is the biggest, biggest concern moving into next season, and I don't think Matt Canada lasts more than next year. And as far as the team, unfortunately, there isn't a whole lot more uh, like to praise either. Um, I'm actually surprised you kind of, We'll talk negatively about Najee Harris because I feel the same way and I feel like that's kind of a hot take right now because obviously him being a first round pick people still want to see him develop but he has all zero to no vision in that backfield it felt like he was just running into defensive linemen and linebackers as you said putting his head down and kind of bowling down for a couple of yards here and there his explosiveness looked nothing like it was uh at Bama 
it almost feels like he didn't develop any running back qualities because he's just so uber athletic and just a freak of nature that he would just run around people in Bama with all these uh, great offensive linemen. And then obviously in high school, he was just overmatching everybody around him. And uh, it just sucks to see. And I think he's just going to be a poor fit for Kenny Pickett because they really don't have any depth at the running back position. They kind of went all in on Najee Harris being this three down guy. And I don't see him developing into even a top half rusher in the league next season. And as a receiver, he's pretty limited as well. And then when you look at the receiver core, I think there are some bright spots and then it really goes downhill. I think him and George Pickens developed a really good connection last year. And George Pickens is never going to be the kind of guy that you can go to like 15 times a game or even 10 times a game. But he will be that guy who Pickett can just say, fuck it, he's down there somewhere at least once or twice a game and get a good play downfield. And especially with so- the lack of creativity they have passing the ball, that's he's probably going to have to resort to that a couple of times here and there. So it's good to have a guy like George Pickens there. Uh, I'm a firm believer that Deontay Johnson is a solid receiver too. I really don't think he's a receiver one. I think he would be a very, very good receiver too. And I think that's a point of concern, but I think he's a great route runner. Uh, he has shored up his hands a little bit over the last year or two. And if he takes another step in the right direction there, I think he can be a solid receiver for them there. Uh, I really don't have too much hopes for Allen Robinson at this point in his career. I feel like he's pretty washed. And I think Calvin Austin can maybe be something in the league. He's very shifty, but he's also pretty small. And I don't know how my, if Kenny Pickett is the right fit for him. I would have maybe liked him to be like the slot guy on another team, which had a more refined quarterback. So I think it's a little bit of a mixed bag with that receiver room. There's definitely talent there, but I don't really know if they gel together and I don't really know if they fit with Pickett. And I think Friar Moot's huge for Pickett. I think him and Pickett have a great connection. I think a tight end is obviously going to be a young quarterback's best friend. And Friar Moot being a huge target with sure hands, someone who seems to be like really always open in the 10 to 15 yard range. I think that's going to be great for Pickett, especially because a lot of his game is like over that middle of the field, it seems like, unless he's attacking the sidelines with Pickens. So I think Fryermuth is huge and probably going to be the biggest bright spot of this team in terms of how they're supporting Pickett. Uh, And I agree with you. I think that offensive line has massively improved. I think a lot of the guys they have brought in – is going to be very, very helpful. And I think that was a huge point of concern for sure. When you have a young quarterback, you definitely don't want to have him have to stand behind a terrible offensive line who's not blocking for him and making him run around and take six sacks a game. So that was a huge boost, but I still think they're average to maybe even slightly below average when we're looking at offensive lines in the NFL. I think in general, people have them a little bit higher than that, but I simply don't think they gel quick enough for that to be the case. So I'm a little bit skeptical on that offensive line, but still a huge improvement. And overall, it's not the best fit in the world. Kenny Pickett can definitely develop and make things work here, but uh, it is definitely, it's not the best the Steelers could have put around him uh, to keep it quite frank. They definitely have not put him in an ideal situation. All right. So 
let's talk about the range of outcomes for these quarterbacks. So for Kenny Pickett, I think that his his median outcome is something like an average-ish starter, maybe slightly below that. Um, his synergy with this team is really poor, um, so it might cause some hiccups in the development. Um, but I still think that the fact that he showed some high-end performances last year with this disastrous type of situation is is very impressive to me. So that's why I think a high-end outcome for him looks more like a strong starter, maybe in that 12 to 14-ish type of range for a 75th percentile outcome. And at his very, very best, where he absolutely breaks out and, um, I don't know, George Pickens' athleticism returns to pre-injury status type thing. Um, and he's like a great deep threat for this offense, like, I think that he could end up being like a low-end pro bowler type. Um, in his lower-end outcomes, I still believe in his playmaking ability enough um, to where, like, even if the situation is very bad, um, he can still be okay. That's why I think that his 25th percentile outcome is something more like a, a below or solidly below average starter where he's, like, the 20th, 25th, 27th best quarterback in the league. And his worst outcomes were, like, the the league continues to catch up on Matt Canada um, and they don't really have much improvement from the offensive line from last year. Maybe some receivers regress or get injured. I think he could look more like a, like a mediocre to solid backup type of thing. Yeah. For me, I also think he's going to have a pretty big scale of where he could or could not be as I normally late rate with these younger quarterbacks Obviously, with him being kind of a question mark at this point, uh, obviously, we still have seen a, a lot of film on him and he has played a lot. He's not quite the question mark that we would describe like a Trey Lance at this point or a Jordan Love, but he's still very, very young and still has a lot that we have yet to see. Uh, still a potential sophomore slump that could hurt him. Uh, but overall, I think that's going to cause a lot of variation of where he could be. I think his median level outcome is going to be somewhere in that 20 to 22 range, you know, a below average starter, but someone that's not really looking like he's going to be out of the league in the next few years or someone who's like very, very early in their development stages. Cause that's kind of what's reserved for the bottom quarterbacks of the league. I think in his high end outcome, I can also see him in that 10 to 14 range, kind of like you were saying, PD, if Matt Canada improves drastically in his play calling or maybe kind of makes it suit Kenny Pickett a little bit more, if he develops that deep ball game that we've been stressing so much, and if this, I guess, receiver core and team around him gels a bit better than we expect and he is able to develop to have more uh, consistent accuracy, consistent you know, fundamentals in general with his footwork and whatnot, and he's able to tap in even more to that playmaking that he's clearly showed that he has a knack for, I could see him kind of creep up to that level. And if things go the opposite way to where he doesn't build that consistency and accuracy, we see him make mistakes kind of to the extent he did last year. I think in year two, we're going to be even more critical of that because he no longer has that rookie card to kind of bail him out of making you know terrible mistakes like he was Maybe he regresses a little bit in his pocket awareness and still does not develop that deep ball. And obviously, Matt Canada could just continue to be one of the worst offensive coordinators in the league, which honestly, at this point, is probably what I expect. You know, of all the things I've mentioned, 
of all the variables that could happen for Kenny Pickett, that's probably the one I'm most confident will happen. Uh, but I could also see him fall to the bottom range of quarterbacks as far as starters being somewhere in that like 25 to 30 range. Uh, but I um, really don't see him falling into a backup range. I think he's too talented for that. Uh, I think his tools and gifts that he already has and has shown last year in terms of talent and the flashes that he's shown has already given me enough confidence to say that next year he's almost guaranteed to not look like a backup, and I'd be very, very surprised if that happens. But as far as where he is as a starter, uh, it could vary drastically. All right, let's quickly touch on um, the others in the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback room being Mitch Trubisky <laughs> and Mason Rudolph. So Mitch Trubisky, um, just solidly in that backup range for me. I think high-end outcome, he could look like a lower-end type starter type thing. Um, and uh, lowest end outcome, uh, he could end, look like a <laughs> fringe third-stringer type um, bad backup. Maybe Mason Rudolph, just solidly a third-stringer. I don't see him going higher or lower than third stringer, just high end third stringer at his best or low end third stringer at his worst. Yeah, for Trubisky, I'm I mostly agree with what you have to say. I think at this point in his career, we kind of know what he is. I think he is still someone that definitely deserves to be in the league. He's obviously been a starter for multiple years and has shown he can be very good in a backup type of role on previous teams like the Bills. And I, I think he, he is good for that reason. And for for that reason, I have him as a middle-level backup as his median-level outcome. On the high level, I could see him being a high-level backup on the likes of, like, I don't know what, like a Gardner Minshew was last year or something. Or, yeah, so, so something of that, that level or, like, a Taylor Heineke, you know. Someone who's a higher level backup, one of the better ones in the league. I don't really see him creeping into the starter range. I think that ship has sailed for him. Uh, and I guess at his worst, uh, he obviously has a turnover issue and he can sometimes, you know, lose confidence and kind of, you know, get into a cycle of throwing the ball into harm's way a lot. I could see him falling into the third string range if that becomes a real problem. And as far as Mason Rudolph goes, I think his time being a starter as the Steelers has long sailed, obviously. I think he's a low-level uh, third-string quarterback at this point in time. Uh, I guess if he plays really well, for whatever reason, he could maybe be like a mid-high-level third-string. And if he really messes his cards up, he could be out of the league next year because the Steelers did draft another or pick up another quarterback in Tanner Morgan. And I guess he could eventually be the guy that takes Rudolph's spot. So, you know, something that could happen. All right. That'll be all from us for this episode. Make sure to leave a like, do what you need to do on whatever platform you're listening on. Um, yeah, that'll be all from me. That'll be all from Potty. We'll see you guys in the next one. Yeah.